I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome to Philip Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. Record our episodes live in Allspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset. Just log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we are continuing our Matrix Month with the last film of the original trilogy, Matrix Revolutions. Matrix Revolutions finds Neo in a limbo world while the robots plan on taking over Zion. A few humans uh, living free outside the Matrix desperately try to hold off the machines long enough for Neo to escape and save the day. But things turn disastrous when uh, the all-powerful computer program Agent Smith arrives in the flesh. Here to help us figure out what the hell is going on with this movie is Futurosity. Hey, Mikey. thank you. And for... Mikey also. Mikey's here too. Mikey's going to help Yay. us figure it out. Mikey, Mikey hasn't seen it in a while, but hopefully uh, if you, he remembers a few things that he can help us out as well. Uh, so, um, I, you know, before we get into it, I guess we, I, you know, we, we should just say, you know, a, a little bit about the real world. You just went on an incredible trip. Uh, if you want to say just a little word about actually real life, going somewhere in meat space, <laughs> where you went. Oh, well, I had a chance to visit Dubai as well as the Seychelles and Abu Dhabi. So I had a great experience visiting the World Fair, essentially. They have an expo for 2020 for the United Arab Emirates to celebrate their 50th anniversary, the founding of the country. And imagine like Epcot Center at Disney, where you have all these little areas for different nations and you get to experience different ethnicities and foods and art and culture. It was the same thing. It was a huge international extravaganza that brought everybody around the world into one place. And it was just beautiful. I had a chance to meet so many amazing people and some amazing technology, robotics and more. So overall, I just had a fabulous experience. Uh, I really feel like that we're connecting with people more and more via the metaverse and technology. And it's nice to see other countries opening up to this technology and using it to connect with more people. So I found it just to be a fabulous experience. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. If it's seeing your Instagram photos of, you know, riding camels and then you're you got you did wait, did you do something where uh, uh, a hawk you were doing like the eagle hawk? Oh, uh, what was that? Yeah, about? I did some Before falconry. <laughs> Yeah, had a chance to so cool. um, work with live falcons. And also um, we had some owls, very large barn owls. Um, so we had this excellent guide who showed us how to, you know, make it, you know, automatically fly to your arm, how to actually connect with it and trick it into using a simple lure instead of actually hunting. So you can actually help and connect with this bird in a really fascinating way. It doesn't love you, but hey, the bird still connects with you in an interesting way where, hey, it wants to hunt on your behalf. Um, and it just felt like those survival instincts um, and just seeing like old culture, how people, you know, were using Elkins and more hundreds of years ago, just really was fascinating. I, I love the experience. So you're saying we shouldn't entirely give up on the real world. Oh, I, I want to have a digital Falcon. If I get a VR falconry app, I would get that ASAP because, hey, both worlds are connecting right now. So you never know. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so cool. So here we are. We don't know if your visit to Abu Dhabi was in simulation, like the Matrix, where we're all trapped in, and becoming human batteries for the giant machine, or you were in the real world. So we might as well dive into it with the original trilogy here. Uh, and this one gets a little crazy. I'm glad you're here to talk about it. Um, let's just start with overall thoughts. Um, 
do you want to go first or should I? Well, um, I had an interesting experience with this movie because back when it was first released, Joel Silver, the producer, visited our school, um, the American Film Institute. So it was really fascinating to see a blockbuster producer in person and have him describe the process of shooting two movies back to back overseas and all the challenges that came up. Because keep in mind, um, the difference was only six months between the release of Matrix 2 and 3. And they were really hustling to get that movie out on time, get visual effects ready. So just overall, it was, I had a unique experience just hearing his perspective and his pride in his work and his excitement in creating this trilogy with, you know, the Wachowskis. But overall, it was a slightly disappointing experience. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the truth. I was starstruck at the moment Mm -hmm. because, hey, this is Joel Silver. His name is on everything that's amazing and cool. But the movie was a slight disappointment overall. But there's many things I still appreciate. And as we chat today, I'm going to talk about other things I appreciated and found amazement and excitement by. But also there are some pitfalls because making a trilogy is hard. And I think overall, I don't believe those three movies were fully planned out as one trilogy. It felt like you have the original Matrix and then two and three combined into one large movie that was slightly uneven. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll discuss that. But overall... Yeah. It was still fun revisiting it. Yeah, I didn't have the greatest experience, though. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone else has their overall thoughts as well, please do use the raise hand option. We'd love to hear your opinion. Um, so, yeah, my, you know, my thoughts are it's interesting because I, you know, I agree. I think that this this whole trilogy was was really rushed. You know, you look at like today, like James Cameron. James Cameron is a veteran who's been around. He's made these like some of the all time great classic movies. He knows how much time it takes. And so when he made Avatar 1, it's taking him like 10 years to make Avatar 2, 3, and 4. He's doing like three at once or something like that. But he knows that like the process of writing and and calling your script and getting your ideas sort of perfected and articulating them well in a, in a structure that works and all makes sense, it really just takes a lot of time. And these guys... You know, 1999 hits. They are on top of the world. They've made this great, incredible movie, but they don't have that much experience. It's their second movie they've ever made, right? They made Bound on like a one to five million dollar budget. Then they make The Matrix on a twenty, maybe thirty million dollar budget, and then they're starred. They're they're thrown into the limelight, and they uh, it, it feels like this was rushed into production. And it feels like they needed more drafts of the script, right? So I will say this. Um, I don't even believe I ever fully finished watching this movie all the way through before. And there were times <laughs> there were times Joe seems to agree with me. There were times uh, during this watching that I almost gave up on it, but I, I sort of persevered because we were doing this show. And I will say this by the end, having thought about all of the ideas that they were working with and and some of the details that they brought to it and some of the new characters they brought to us, there are things that I appreciated more than I had before. And so I do feel like it was a valuable um, exercise to go through this. And I also think that there's going to be a lot of connections between uh, Revolutions and Resurrections, which is coming out next week. And so we can talk about that as we go through as well, just from the trailers um, that have been out. It kind of feels like a lot of the ideas are picking off where this one left 
uh, picking up where this one left off. And so I do feel like it's valuable to see the entire package that they're putting together. But that's not to say that this is definitely my least favorite of all the trilogy. So, um, so yeah, if anyone else has any thoughts, uh, please do let us know. Otherwise, we'll dive right into some of the uh, details of it. So let's just start with the plot. I know you're feeling a little under the weather, Futurosity, so I will brave uh, trying to tell you the plot in a very succinct manner here. Okay, so we 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 come out of uh, part two, and Neo is in is trapped in limbo. So he's kind of unconscious world but he we discover that he's trapped in this limbo world this uh train station in between uh the matrix and the real world and basically uh he has to figure out how to get into the matrix get to the oracle find out what his mission is and he discovers that what his mission is is that agent smith has gone awol he's trying to take over not only the matrix but also the real world and so uh neo needs to go to machine city which is the sort of headquarters for the mach machine intelligence that created the matrix and somehow uh, defeat uh, Agent Smith. Meanwhile, while this is happening, all of the robots are and the Sentinels are attacking Zion and are going to like just destroy all of humanity. And the clock is ticking uh, for Neo to be able to save the day while the robots are coming. So Joe seems to agree. Seems to think that that's an okay, <laughs> an okay plot. Um, so what do you think about that? Uh, how did you feel about that? And was there anything I missed that you thought was important? Well, you covered all the basic parts, but overall, it suffered from I call Return of the Jedi Syndrome, mm -hmm. where you, you get to learn these amazing relationships between characters, and then they split them up. And in my eyes, I feel like in sequels and movies, they split up people after we've already got connected to them. We like to see mm -hmm. their banter and their back and forth. Mm -hmm. And suddenly... We realized Neo was barely in the Matrix within the movie itself. Mm. You know, our hero was in a coma for a portion of it. Our hero mm -hmm. was blinded for a portion of it. Mm -hmm. There were many moments where we weren't able to see the hero do his work. We had to watch other people kind of fill in the gaps. And that always, a lot of sequels suffer from that same principle. You know, we, they separate everyone that we love and they break down those interactions and focus more on side characters that we barely met but right. now we have to invest in. Yep. That was one of my main issues with the movie. I'm like, I don't care about the kid. You know, I watched the Animatrix in between movies and okay, I know this is a new character, but I didn't really want to focus on him as much. You no, know? same thing as General Locke. Right. You know, uh, there were some characters that could easily have been combined. Um, I always believe when you read a screenplay, a lot of times if you rush it, you have too many characters. And in this case, there are a lot of characters that could have been combined into one and could have saved us a lot of screen real estate and allow us time to focus on the main characters that we've known and loved after the first two movies. Yeah. No, I think you, you totally nailed it. My biggest problem with the entire Zion plot is exactly what you said. There's literally nobody that I know or care about in that entire plot. And it's like they could have, I don't know, they could have... Um, had like they needed the team like you're right they needed the team like the neo team to go into the matrix in order to unlock some kind of a puzzle at the exact time that the sentinels were attacking in order for them to be able to open the key to 
you know, uh, machine city and, and so that they, they could save the day or something like that. Something that would be much more streamlined and much more easy to deal with. And maybe you have Morpheus and, and Trinity uh, in Zion and then you have Neo in the Matrix or maybe you have all of them in the Matrix and then Zion is just sort of like you cut to it as the Sentinels are attacking and there's, I, I don't know how you create characters there, but there's that half hour middle of the movie that is literally this insane effects bonanza of a gazillion sentinels attacking Zion with a gazillion machine guns and me mecha machines uh, try to blow up the sentinels. I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? I've totally lost. I don't care about anyone in this scene. Like that, so that, that really, I think, is what killed the movie for me the very first time I watched it. And that's what I had to push through this time in order to get to the good stuff. Yeah. So I agree. Um, the whole sequence with Zion under attack was way too long because in most movies, let's just say like attack on Endor, you know, let's mm -hmm. go back to Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. It was a nice cutting back and forth. Mm -hmm. It wasn't we focused on one attack for so long. They give us some breathing room. Right. In this case, hey, the visual effects, they were cool for the first five minutes. But by minute 15, I actually had to pause the movie. I felt terrible doing it, but I checked for remaining time. And that's always a critically sad moment whenever that happens with the movie. I rarely pause and check for remaining time, right. but I did. Yeah. So here are some other interesting elements to the plot that we can talk about if they worked or they didn't work. Uh, one of them is that, um, you know, basically uh, Agent Smith has become all powerful and has assimilated every human in the matrix simulation and is i guess such a powerful virus that he's threatening to destroy both worlds because not only that but he's also um fused his mind with this other character bane and has found a way to become a part of the meat space world okay so so you know it's like <laughs> i could get with Agent Smith is simulating in the in the um, in the Matrix world all of the characters and sort of becoming all of them and taking all of them over. I, I get that. That's kind of interesting. But like making the jump so that Agent Smith can be outside the Matrix inside another mind. I think it kind of loses me there a little bit. Like I, the, the, the thing that I love about the first movie, the, the original Matrix, is that okay, some of the logic, you have to have a little bit of suspension of disbelief. Like, just a little bit, though. Like, for me, the biggest, the only suspension of disbelief in the original Matrix is that they're, they have to use humans as um, batteries that will fuel their thing. It's like they couldn't find a better battery source. You know, whatever. Okay, fine. But I'll give it that because it's a cool <laughs> movie. But the rest of it, I was like, yeah, we might be living in a simulation. We might be in the Matrix. I totally got all of that. In this movie, there's so many giant leaps of reality and giant leaps of logic that it almost just becomes i hate to say it but like lazy writing in a way it's kind of like well we'll just like gobbledygook this together and here we go like bane's in the real world and it's actually agent smith and now he's a a, a person I'm like what i don't know <laughs> so joe's got him by <laughs> I, 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 yeah go ahead i agree i think there, there would have been better ways to handle the situation because let's say the matrix itself has a wireless component. You know, the people that were, you know, unjacked from the Matrix, maybe if they said, hey, there's an extra chip or something that is still embedded in them so that they could still connect to the source wirelessly. Something like that to at least allow a mechanism for Agent Smith to be able to take over a human outside of the Matrix. But by simply saying, okay, he just 
zoned into their brain and altered, you know, Bane's, you know, chemistry of his brain. Right. I mean, essentially, they like he had like an extreme concussion of sorts. You know, like, his gray matter was kind of ravaged by some kind of traumatic event. But I, a simple thing saying, hey, there's a backup chip at wirelessly connects you. One little line could have easily made that mm, more visible. That's interesting. Or if it just felt, yeah. yeah they skipped a lot of yeah 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 so you're saying like are you saying like if the if bane if we discovered that bane was like a cyborg or he had like a neural chip or a neural implant or something and that's what agent smith had inhabited that would be so cool that's a great idea you should be writing movies futurosity that sounds great because everyone's plugged in (laughs) Uh, i mean why wouldn't they have a backup plan if someone unjacked from the matrix it just seemed a little odd that they wanted us to have that leap of logic of yep you can just take over someone's brain and it is what it right. is. Like it, that didn't work as well for right. me. Yeah, and so uh, Crypto Hustle, love to see you. Uh, and uh, you know Joe here and uh, TCL thirty two. And what's happening, City Girl? Good to see you. And uh, CJ, hello. Uh, if anyone has any thoughts, please use the raise hand option. We want. We love to hear uh, your opinion as well because there, there's there's a lot of opinions to go around this movie. It's it's very you know there's a uh, there's a lot to say about it. So okay, so the, the, to take the other side of the coin um agent smith can get into the the meat space world uh and inhabit bane's brain but the other side of it is that neo uh can is inner is interacting with machines in the real world so his brain somehow senses where the sentinels are and even though he's trapped in, in the matrix he can kind of see things i, I don't know how does that work exactly that was another issue. It, it, they only had to have one little line. Hey, did you know the machines put in a wireless chip so they could always be connected to the source? Right. That's all they needed totally. to say. Because somehow Neo, you know, he interacted with the source after his conversation with the architect in the previous movie. And thus, he was able to connect and control the machines in the real world. Yeah. That just didn't work for me. I remember the first time I saw the huge cliffhanger of the second movie in the theater. And I'm like, for real? <laughs> And they overall didn't follow up on their promise right. in this third movie. They had a chance to course correct a little mm-hmm. bit, but instead they kind of went all in with the whole machine God religion thing um, for, you know, the one. And it, it was a little heavy handed in many ways. Yeah. You know, I, we understand this religious symbolism right. and, you know, the resurrection and death process. That's fine. But they kind of hit it on the head a little too much. Right. Yeah, it could have been much more. Subtle. Yeah, and it, you know, but it could have been interesting if they were kind of like, but once you uh, free your mind from the matrix, the simulation, the real world is just another simulation. And so you can kind of free your mind from that as well. That's kind of like a really interesting idea that they didn't really explore in a way that was as articulate as they did it in the original matrix. And so it kind of gets lost in all of the stuff that's happening. And, and it, you, you got to wonder if like they were able to have a few more years, a few more drafts of the script that they could have like figured this stuff out. Or is it that we're looking back on it with sort of 20 years knowledge in terms of what technology might be able to do and what simulations might be able to do. Maybe we're looking at it from, you know, because if you think about when the Matrix came out, it was such a sort of revolutionary idea that it got rejected by all the studios because no one understood what do you mean a simulation? What, what do you mean this virtual reality? Like, uh, so maybe we're just more wise looking back on it. I don't know. I always go back to the brain in a jar hypothesis, right. you know, from Descartes. 
essentially there's no way to differentiate between reality and the possibility of just being a brain in a jar, having these interactions beamed in. And they didn't really fulfill the promise because they've made so many philosophical points in the first movie that I thought they were going to connect to, but instead they use philosophy just to create more questions, but not enough answers. Mm-hmm. I think it was my main issue. It's like, you have to give the audience a handful of answers just for the sake of satisfaction. Yeah. And instead they thought they could convolute their right. process by, you know, Hey, let's have some, you know, very uppity language from the right. architect and let's have the Merovingian, you know, be the quote unquote devil in hell, you know, in his little club. Right. Uh, it was very much, you know, they were beating the hammer when they could have just done finer detail and cleaned it up a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else about the plot? I guess that's pretty much it. You know, finally they went to uh, the machine world, uh, machine city, which is like, I feel like what they should have done from part two already, but they finally get there. But then here's the other crazy thing. They get to the machine world where Neo is literally like one ant among these, you know, a gazillion machines. And somehow he like has a proposition for the machine as if the machine would care. Like he, and he's basically like, I'm, you know, there's a greater force than you that needs to be destroyed. And I'm the only one who could do it as if the machine couldn't take care of agent Smith. I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like there's this all powerful machine and there's a single individual and that individual uh is able to negotiate with this entire uh super intelligence it just felt like a little bit cartoony and a little bit unbelievable that like why is it why why would this giant machine be so worried about agent smith why did he need a human to go and save it like uh, i don't know so in other words they got to the place where the machines could have been destroyed but instead of doing the obvious thing where hero must destroy villain they decided to convolute it and be like, no, hero must negotiate with villain to team up in order to take down another villain. That's like, just uh, like, what? No, that's not this. It could think. And then on top of that, when they, when they go in that direction, then the, the big issue of the entire trip, my mind is that there are billions of people that are enslaved by the machines as human batteries that are never freed. They are never freed. There's an entire trilogy of movies that happen and no one is ever free. Does that not bother anyone else but me? I was like, I was like, what? Like after all of this, they didn't <laughs> free all those people. I don't know. That's that drove me crazy. It was it was mind blowing that they decided to make that compromise <laughs> because essentially Neo did the work of the machines from start to finish. Essentially, he fulfilled his role as the one by keeping humanity enslaved. And they didn't have a hard reboot. They had a soft reboot. And essentially, I said, okay, well, we'll let the humans have the choice to be free now. I'm like, that's still terrible because that means there's 7 billion people you have to inform that they're in an artificial reality and have them make the choice to get out and live in a real world where all you eat is gruel all day and have to deal with, you know, Zion people all day. I mean, I would prefer the Matrix. I understand why Cypher in the first movie said, hey, I just want to eat a steak. I want to hang out and right. be a cool person in the Matrix right. versus living in this, this atrocious real world. So right. in many ways, Neo is the bad guy in many ways at the end. Right. He fulfilled his role that the machines created for him. Like Essentially, he kept the status quo, but slightly different enough to give people the illusion of choice. Right. I don't think of him as a quote unquote good guy when you really see it in the big picture. Right. You know, speaking of that... It, it, why didn't they bring back Cypher? 
Like, why didn't they have him be a character that we meet inside the Matrix? That would have been super cool, right? But didn't didn't happen. All right. That was a weird one. Yeah, because they, they remember they killed him kind of off screen. And I remember in between uh, movies, people were, Cypher was kind of talking online. You don't, maybe I'm coming back. Right. You know, Joe Pantaleone, you know, I remember he was kind of hinting here and there. And then it was unfulfilled promise once again. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so let's move on to the characters here. So this is, um, there are at least some interesting new developments, but again, it's like uh, there are some new good characters, but those characters really have no purpose in the overall plot. They're just kind of like there. So the one that I think we really need to talk about is uh, Sati. And the reason that I think we really need to talk about her is that it's possible that she's in the new trilogy or the new movie, I should say. Um, has anyone been watching the trailers and noticed uh, that um, I think it's uh, what's it's uh, this woman here, Priyanka Chopra. Uh, she is cast in the movie. And if you notice, she has the same kind of glasses that the little girl has. And the uh, the theory is that she ah. is uh, Sati grown up and is now uh, continued to be in the Matrix. So I think we got to talk about Sati because I think she may have something to do with the new one. I have no inside information, people, so I'm not giving any spoilers here. This is just a, <laughs> this is just like a dude in the metaverse having a crazy theory. Um, all right. So 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 the thing that I think was interesting about Sati is that we learn from her father that she's an exile. She was she was essentially she's a machine. She's a program in the Matrix. Her parents are both programs, but they created another program out of love and she's the only being in all of the matrix that has no predestined purpose so where neo's destiny was to become the one and trinity's destiny was to fall in love with the one and have these choices and morpheus's destiny was to find the one sati was the only one who has no purpose and so for that she is uh, an anomaly and she may represent some kind of glitch in the matrix in the future uh, we don't know um, so I think that this is an interesting character. I think that the idea that like machines can love was kind of ahead of its time. And I think we're getting there now where we're, you know, we're starting to be able to understand that that's possible. But the fact that she has no purpose is interesting. Did you have any, any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Just the concept of machine reproduction of that kind is fascinating because normally we think of machine reproduction as simply manufacturing, duplicating, essentially cloning um, of sorts within a physical space. But in this case, we're talking about software that can reproduce because yeah. we see Agent Smith, his version of reproduction is essentially you know, a takeover of cells and other organisms. In this case, these are two machines that created something that's unique and shares a little bit of both of them. So I thought it was interesting conceptually, you know, when we talk about concepts of love, is it just the language itself that we're speaking about or is it actually emotions or is it just the meaning of the word that gives it the emotion? So uh, that's quite fascinating. You don't have to say you have to have be a biological organism to be able to have a deep connection to another. Right. Uh, so I did find that concept interesting, but it was so sad they didn't explore it right. whatsoever. They just kind of brought it up. And they left it on the yep. table and kept moving yep. on. Like she's literally at the beginning. They have this interesting conversation literally for no purpose. You could literally cut all of her scenes and the movie would still work. And then in the end, she has this like really interesting idea, but is not explored at all, which is that she is able to create a sunset in honor of Neo. So she has power over the Matrix that we've never seen any other person in this whole trilogy have, including 
Neo. We know that Neo can fly and he can do Kung Fu, but we never knew that he could actually change the environment and sort of paint the sky in a sunset uh, at will. And that's a power that she has this, this supernatural power and supernatural ability that is super fascinating, but is like not even touched on. So I really do hope they touch on it in the new one. Um, because it seems like she's like this all powerful, uh, force, uh, in the matrix. And at the same time, remember, we keep talking about these, you know, systems of control within the matrix, you know, how Zion is another system of control. The one is a system of control. So in my eyes, I was hoping that Sati would also be some kind of matrix based system as well. But once again, they didn't explore it. I mean, the concept of her finding purpose they didn't explore either because okay she made the sunrise but what mechanism previously was part of the program to do sunrises was that replaced by her because the entire matrix each individual program is has this very specific task they didn't explain did that program die or get destroyed by smith or was it just part of the reboot process of the system itself it just felt like there's so much that was left unexplained and unexplored Uh, it was quite disappointing because I thought the little girl was cute. She seemed to be precocious and intelligent right. and seemed like a good actress. I just hope that she could have done a little bit absolutely, more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we, we'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Remy or CJ or Corey Budgel or uh, uh, Cupid Bobby 89 over there. And uh, who else we got? Varun, if you guys have any thoughts or have any theories about where the new movie is taking this, please do use the raise hand option. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, otherwise, I have one other character that I thought we would talk about. Uh, this is the sort of hive mind, literally. He's a hive mind of sentinels, I guess, or whatever these kind of machines are. And it's the it's sort of the super AI that invented the Matrix. They call it Deus Ex Machina, which is kind of interesting, of course, because Deus Ex Machina, uh, if from I guess if you translate it directly from Latin, means god in the machines or like ghost in the machine or something like that and um and so i think that that's a, a really again a very unique concept um the place that it falls apart for me is like they always say that your hero is only as good as your villain right and so you have to make your villain so formidable that for the uh, main character to overcome them they have to rise to the challenge and become this great hero And again, we sort of touched on it in overall uh, thoughts was that he gets to Deus Ex Machina and Deus Ex Machina is like shivering in his boots about little Agent Smith who's going to destroy him. And it's like, what? Like, no, he's like he's undercut all of the excitement and energy about getting there. So it's like imagine Lord of the Rings and you spend this entire trilogy getting to Sauron uh, and finally you get to Sauron and he's like, but 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 what about the orcs? You know, what about these uh, these wizards are going to it's it's like, can we make a deal, uh, you know, Frodo to, to so that I don't get hurt it's like they just totally undercut all of the drama oh i agree even the design itself undercut Mm. it i mean we have this floating baby head made out of multiple robots i mean even his it seemed like a petulant child of sorts you know as neo even tried to negotiate the plan Mm. so to me a very i wouldn't even call it a villain it's more just like a minor obstacle like neo had to speak with somebody to get to point c right that was my main problem it's like okay Smith is replicating, essentially, I guess he replicated across the board in the Matrix and he had to kind of wipe him out after he took over millions upon millions of people. Essentially, near the end, Smith is everything. But 
like, why can't the machines control that? I mean, they could reboot the Matrix. I mean, can't they just say, hey, you know what? The one failed, but for our sake of our survival, we'll just manually reboot and delete Smith software. It just seems like they have a set of rules, but every once in a while, they'll decide to ignore the mm-hmm. rules. Or I'm like, they could reboot anytime. It's like unplugging a computer and just giving it a chance to do a software update. The machine, you know, the god of the machine could have done it himself. Yeah. But instead, okay, sure, Neo, I beg you to help me get rid of this, essentially a pest problem. Right. That's essentially what Smith was. He was a huge pest. So, I mean, essentially, Neo is like a roach exterminator right. in many ways. I, I thought it kind of undercut his value as a hero. You know, it wasn't really the heroic journey that I was really looking for. It essentially felt like he's cleaning up a mess. Right. And that's not as fun. You know, it's, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I'm just like... Um... I just wonder why out of all of the characters, you would think that the one that invented the matrix, you would delve into that mythology more. You would delve into that character and that would be the obstacle to overcome. Uh, But they didn't really get into how uh, Machine City came to be or how this super AI came to be. Uh, you know, what its purpose is besides just survival. Um, it, they really didn't get into all of that, which is really sort of, uh, it, I, I can't quite understand why, because that was the most obvious storyline to, to drive at. And they always were sidestepping it for some reason or another. I'm not quite sure. But I think a part of it maybe is like, they wanted to have a Kung Fu battle with Agent Smith in the end. So they had to like, sort of do this sci-fi rigmarole to to sort of force that into the plot as opposed to just dealing with what was right in front of them. So I don't know. A little disappointing. I definitely agree. The overall fight with Smith at the end, they they set it up for so long. Remember, Smith was barely in the movie. We mostly saw Bane, who had Smith inhabiting his brain in the real world, more than the actual Smith himself. If you count the screen time, Essentially, he was just kind of a had cameo appearances until the yeah. ending. So, and I'm, it felt like it was a waste of Hugo Weaving. Right. I mean, he's an amazing actor. He was chewing up the scenery in a couple scenes we get to see him in, and then poof, he disappears from screen. Right. It felt like every time there was interesting character to focus on, they always went to some side character who I have no emotional investment yeah. in. That's why it was. Yeah. Or they put Agent Smith into the real world in Bane and then Bane and, and Neo have to have a, a sort of a Kung Fu battle in the real world. But then like literally Neo's eyes gets burned out of his head. I did think it was a kind of an interesting idea that once the he gets his uh, his eyes burned out, uh, he can see the flames of like he can sort of see this um, almost like an aura uh, where the person was. Um, and so it's kind of like. Just like he had cracked the code to the Matrix, he kind of had in some way cracked the code to the real world and saw these sort of spiritual auras or whatever. I thought that was pretty neat, but um, but they they didn't yeah they didn't really develop it too much. Um, but yeah, yeah. In many ways, also when you think of Agent Smith, remember Bane did all these treacherous deeds in the real world that we didn't get to see. You know, he sabotaged, you know, the other hackers and other ships when he blasted an EMP to destroy their, you know, their sensors and everything and their weapon systems. I would have preferred to see that instead of having someone tell me, this guy who's passed out here, he happened to do all this bad stuff. Like, why not show it? I mean, I wouldn't mind to have as much of the real world as they wanted, as long as they showed us stuff that was relevant to the action. I, I prefer, you know, show, don't tell. I wanted to see what Bane was doing behind the scenes instead of, you know, he's passed out. Okay, now he kills a couple people. It, once again, it felt like that portion was a little rushed. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a bit of a shame, but um, okay. So let's get to the point here. <laughs> let's get to the point. What is the point of the overall trilogy in the end? What is the theme of this movie? What were they trying to say? Um, do you have any thoughts? I know you you had some great theories about part two, and I think that really still ties in to this movie. Did you have any thoughts on their their point? Well, it's an argument between fate and determinism. Mm-hmm. You know, is there some mystical force that's guiding your hand? Or is it based on the fact that, hey, everything is going to happen as it happened. You just have the illusion of choice. And essentially, I think they kind of proved the Merovingians' point of view to be somewhat correct in the end. The illusion of choice and love was the kind of like the extra item, the extra special sauce that kind of enhanced everything else. Love was that randomization into the Matrix. Neo's decision-making process was clouded by love. Thus different set of dominoes fell but the overall ending result was very much the same they have a kinder gentler matrix mm-hmm. instead of freedom for humanity and i still don't think that was a great choice essentially billions of people are enslaved and being used as batteries and then you have this one person who made the decision to keep the status quo going so it kind of felt like let's say you have an election and it's two people that are exactly the same just choose a color okay, so I want the purple versus the green candidate. But this is still the same thing. So it felt like he was offered a false choice and he still picked it. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred if Neo went above and beyond what he was set to do in the first place. Go above and beyond his purpose. Instead, he fulfilled the status quo. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like, um, I think that 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 pretty much sums it up. So I'm not going to, to to beat that down. But I do feel like, you know, an alternative ending or an alternative way to go might have been, can we take what's in the simulation, the matrix, and find a way to recreate that in the real world again so that they can get out of Zion, they can go back to the surface, they can start building a society again. So it's almost like, I almost wish it was like the end of like um, WALL-E or something like that, right? So there's the, the world is this desolate wasteland and once they defeat Machine City and once they take down the super AI, then all it needs is like one plant like comes out of the rubble and we understand. And then they're able to like come up to the surface and watch the sunset in the real world. And we know that through hope and, and, and belief, they are going to recreate a better world. Uh, and they're not going to make the same mistakes they made the previous time. Like that for me would have been so much more of a hopeful uh uh, optimistic and obvious kind of ending um instead i do they just somewhere along the line they got trapped in this philosophical uh conundrum i think they wrote themselves into a corner and they didn't know how to get out of it and so they just kind of piled uh, on uh, a bunch of uh, uh you know different ideas but none of which really gelled together and all they needed to do was really just get rid of all of the excess ideas and, pl- and just stick to that one central plot, which is we want the real world to become, you know, back to its former glory, but even better because we're not going to make the same mistakes as last. Oh, I thoroughly agree with you. I kept thinking, hey, why can't the machines help do some scrubbing of the atmosphere? You know, right. create some carbon filters. You know, why can't they work together and say, hey, humans were the ones who created the issue. They bombed the planet, created a smoke cloud to cover the entire atmosphere. So instead of relying on human beings for batteries, I think the machines just try to clean up the atmosphere on their own. They had 
seven generations of the Matrix, who knows how many hundreds a year, it just seemed like within their logic, it seemed like fixing the planet would have given them a, an infinite energy source that's literally going to last billions of years, aka the sun. Right. Yeah, I definitely right. felt like, hey, <laughs> sunrise would have been beautiful if it was real world. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 final thing, I guess, before we go out is just that the the ending of that movie. It's it's the architect, uh, the ending of this movie, I should say. The architect and the oracle meet in the real world, or sorry, in the simulation. And then Sati comes as well, and she's with Seraph, who's that other uh, sort of protector or, or guardian uh, that helps uh, Sati. And they sort of meet in the real world, and they say, well, it's going to all happen over again. But there's no real sense of hope because of the fact that they're all still just trapped in the Matrix, and they're all still... Uh, uh, human batteries and the, and the super AI still exists. The only thing that has changed is that Zion gets to live another day and Neo's dead. That's it. That's all that's yeah. changed. <laughs> like what? It's we just watched nine hours of movies, six hours. Yeah. Yeah, no one left the prison. It's like a prison escape movie where you find out the person that dug the tunnel out of the prison dug a tunnel into another prison. Yeah. That's essentially what it felt <laughs> right. like. Just imagine right. Shawshank Redemption if he went out from one prison to another and lived the rest of his life right. in prison number two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. It's it's a little bit a little bit strange. All right. You know what time it is, Futurosity. Wow. 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 That's right. It's wow score time. That means everybody here needs to give their wow score out of 10. 10 is like this was the greatest movie of all time. Uh, zero is what the hell did I just watch? Uh, so, yeah, that means you, Varub. That means you, CJ. That means you, Shade. And who knows? Maybe even Hero and Futurosity VR over there. If you guys have seen the movie recently or even a long time ago, give us your wow score. Um, I think you went first last time. Should I go first this time? All right. Oh, please, please. All right. So uh, obviously I've spent a lot of time critiquing this movie in a loud, angry voice. So I didn't love it. Um, I will say that, um, you know, I think that in an age where every I, I think I said this before, in an age where there's a cookie cutter Marvel formula where all the movies kind of follow the same thing. And there's a boardroom of writers and uh, executives and directors uh, and creative people who are coming up with the, the, the story concepts. Um, it's, it's, I, I, I feel a little guilty trashing these auteurs who are trying something unique and philosophical and different. Having said that, they should not have rushed into production on this massive undertaking of logistics effects uh, story logic and all of that. Uh, they should have taken their time. Uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Of course, I'm sure after you know they had such a meteoric rise after Bound, they jumped straight into one of the great movies of the '90s uh, with The Matrix, and they must have thought we are like the greatest filmmakers of all time. Whatever we do is going to be gold because you know you almost need a few failures along the way in order to become more cautious uh, with your writing and your directing. And so I do feel like they maybe were too successful too quickly. Having said, so I, like I said, I, I love some of the ideas in this movie. That's why I also found it very frustrating. I'm going pretty low on this one. I'm giving it a four. I'm giving it a four, folks. Hey, Rube, I don't care if you hate me. CJ, you may disagree. I'm giving it a four. Maybe a five. Four, four and a half. Four or four and a half. That's as high as I go. Well, in my case, I, I, 
enjoy aspects of the movie. It's almost like I enjoy the thought of it versus actually viewing it. <laughs> and that's always a hard situation right. to have. But overall, it felt like second album syndrome. Ever see a, you know, an amazing first album from a musical artist, then the second one just seems like it kind of ran out of mm. gas. And you realize they spent so much time that first album creating the best songs possible, the best you know, songwriting possibilities, you know, the best collaborations. Because it took time. And I think that's what it was. The rush to create these two movies and shoot them back to back ultimately made it suffer. So I would give it a 5.5. I appreciate the visual effects, the effort. There were a couple great triumphant moments where you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But overall, it was a little too much of what I didn't really need. Mm -hmm. That was my main issue. Yeah. They brought up so many questions. They let me explore the world, let me think about it. I had like a metatextual story within my head that became somewhat more enjoyable than what they provided. That's what I have to fault it with. You know, they, they let me play with my mind. They let me play in their world, especially how multimedia, you know, conglomerate of sorts, you know, from video games to animation, mm -hmm. et cetera. But then you realize, you know, decades later, I don't have the video game to rewatch and play. You know, it's, it's, Defunct, you know, that game is not even published anymore. So I miss out on those story beats. So overall, I felt like I, I missed out on so much. Um, so it was a disappointment, but I'll give it a five and a half as far as efforts and the technology and how it did push things forward for the industry overall. But as a product and as an actual piece of entertainment, it failed me on many levels. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the lowest score we've given. So we're, we can only hope that the new movie resurrects the Matrix uh, franchise and is able to do the impossible and make us love the Matrix again after the part three here. So um, I don't know if any of you have any theories about the new one or if, if you have any theories as to how this is all inter going to interconnect. Um, I don't know. Uh, even... Uh, uh, TRK blue truck track blue truck blue. I don't know if you have any theories or not. Um, or, uh, or Varun Varun, um, as well. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, futurosity, do you have any, uh, theories? I still go back to the matrix within the matrix theory mm -hmm. that people brought up early on in the series, mm -hmm. because essentially you see, you've seen the characters die within the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. so Trinity died. You no, know, we definitely know that, you know, Morpheus, he died outside of the movies. He actually died in the video game, I remember. It was the Enter the Matrix game. It was that online game they had back in the day, and they killed him. You know, Morpheus is gone. So it seems like these might be recreations or echoes of past memories of people that were connected within the Matrix. I'm not sure if they're actually, quote unquote, real in the flesh. Mm. So I kind of believe, yeah, Neo is still there. He serves a function. He, his function at this point is a software function. That's what I'm starting to believe. Right. Yeah, I think I agree. I think that they're going to do exactly what they've said they were doing, which is that uh, it's a cycle. There's been like five Neos before, and this is just the next resurrection, uh, next reincarnation of the Neo. And he's going to have to rediscover. They, so they, I, we assume that they wipe all their memories, right? And they put them back into the Matrix. And it just goes over the same cycle again. What I'm curious about, though, is how are they going to escape the pitfalls of the original trilogy where they wrote themselves into a box by just having an endless loop of meaningless wars against the machine, reincarnations of Neo so that he has to make a choice? Like, how are they going to escape that 
pitfall again. That's really what I wanted to I want to see them do. Um, and they've had a few years to think about it. It's this is uh, you know Revolutions was 2003, and here we are 2021, the end of 2021. So they have had a lot of time to think about it. I'm hoping that they come up with something really inventive and interesting. Um, and I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to be back here, right? We're going to be back here next week talking about it right afterwards. CJ, you got to join us as well. Well, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out if they if they did that. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious. I, I this trailers look so great, but I've been so burned by trailers in the past that I don't have high hopes. I'm going in with low expectations. I think that's the best way to walk in. Just say, "Hey, entertain me." Fingers crossed. That's how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, it was awesome. Once again, I'm glad you're, you're back from your incredible trip to Dubai and the Seychelles and everywhere else. And, uh, it's good to have you back in the metaverse, back, uh, back at simulation nation. Uh, where could people, uh, reach out with you if they'd like to further debate your opinions on matrix revolutions? Oh, I'm available on Instagram at futurosity VR. I love to chat. Feel free to connect with me. I'm all about sharing positive information about the metaverse and how I'm exploring it and hopefully creating some new works within the metaverse. So follow me. Let's have a chat. It'll be fun. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you for teleporting in everybody to this Worldcast of Simulation Nation. Whether you're with us in virtual reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watching in glorious Technicolor on YouTube. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram as well at the Simulation Nation, Twitter at SimNationVR, and our Discord server. Then join us next week for our finale to Matrix Month as we review Matrix 4, Matrix Resurrections. Until then, stay plugged. My friends.